Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. We bring you news and analysis every day on the Sound On podcast. But now you can get the latest news on demand whenever you want it. Subscribe to Bloomberg News Now to get the latest headlines at the click of a button. Get informed on your schedule. You can listen and subscribe to Bloomberg News Now on the Bloomberg Business app, Bloomberg.com, plus Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Search Bloomberg News Now and subscribe today. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch us live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg.com, the iHeartRadio app, and the Bloomberg Business app. Or listen on demand wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. Glad you came with us. We didn't think this would be the story that we'd be telling today. So much for the relief rally on Wall Street because they actually got it done. This is the moment all but one expert we talked to on Bloomberg said would never happen. On this vote, the yeas are 335, the nays are 91, two-thirds being in the affirmative, the rules are suspended. The bill is passed, and without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table. How about it? 335 to 91. That was the House late Saturday. Next door, the Senate followed up very quickly and with something like, I believe, 32 minutes to spare, President Biden signed it into law. Only one person told us it would happen like this. And we're going to have time to talk about motions to vacate, Ukraine funding, backroom deals, and so on. But listen to Sarah Chamberlain on the 26th of September on Bloomberg. I do not think we're going to have a government shutdown. You, you do don't. not think we're going to no. have a government shutdown? I think what the Senate put out today is going to be helpful. I think the Republicans would negotiate to try to get as close to that as possible. And I think the last possible minute, we are going wow. to, uh, we're going to see Unless- that. That was on Balance of Power last week, myself and Anne-Marie Hordern. By the way, the reason why Sarah knows this is because she's in the room for these negotiations. The president and CEO of the Republican Main Street Partnership joins us right now. Sarah, you were correct. A lot of folks did not see this coming. How did Kevin McCarthy pull this out? Kevin McCarthy pulled it out with a lot of help from the Republican Main Street Partnership members. Um, Absolutely, Mm -hmm. the Republicans wanted to do this as a straight-up Republican uh, vote. They tried. They did their best. There were just some absolute holdouts. So um, the members of Main Street, there's 17 of them that live in Biden's districts. Biden uh, Mm. won their districts over overwhelmingly so they had to to make a deal and they had gone to kevin and said we're gonna have to deal and and he at the last moment he did it i was i'm sorry he did it Um, i'm sorry he was forced to do it by his own party um but i think for the american people it's absolutely the right thing to do of course, it did take Democratic votes. That's why uh, Matt Gates is threatening a motion to vacate, and that shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone. Before I ask you about that, are you allowing yourself a moment here, Sarah, a little I told you so? No, I've just kind of moved on to the next thing. I am unique 
because I am the CEO of an organization that has 90 members versus a, a pundit yeah. who, you know, talks to people and, and tries to gather information. I do sit in a room right. with the members. Um, so I do, I kind of have an inside information, so I'm not really as good. It's just, <laughs> I have different intel. <laughs> well, that's right. Uh, Cause you're bringing us behind the scenes here. What's the conversation about Ukraine, because Matt Gates went to the floor today, and I should let you hear his actual words. Uh, this idea of a motion to vacate, uh, he says, will hinge on what Republicans learn about a so-called secret deal on Ukraine. Here he is a short time ago on the floor of the House. So, Mr. Speaker, just tell us, just tell us, what was in the secret Ukraine side deal? What commitments were made to, pre to President Biden to continue the spending of President Biden in exchange for doing things for President Biden. It is becoming increasingly clear who the Speaker of the House already works for, and it's not the Republican conference. He says it's Joe Biden. Uh, Sarah Chamberlain, do you know anything about a secret deal on Ukraine? I do not, and odds are I probably would know it if it existed. Um, yeah. I, I just really think that's Matt Gates just talking, trying to justify potentially recalling Speaker McCarthy. But I have no knowledge of a secret deal at all. Well, that's important here because the matter of Ukraine will need to be dealt with, and so will this mutiny. Uh, I don't know how many uh, folks, how many members Matt Gates has on his side here, but he has made clear he will file the motion to vacate this week. Sarah will the speaker survive? So right now, I believe he will. I absolutely do think he will. Um, I, to be honest with you, I have not gotten an update yet on how many members will be going with Matt Gates. Um, the thought mm. is there's between five to seven. So if that is all there are, then it's Speaker McCarthy should um, survive. But I really want to emphasize, I don't know who wants this job. I mean, it is probably the worst job in D.C., if not one of the worst in the country. So if he does, if Matt Gates does succeed in recalling um, Speaker McCarthy, who is going to step in and take his place? Yeah. Um, the country needs a speaker. The country needs to get things done. Your earlier segment talked about potential recession. We have to have the government mm -hmm. functioning if the United States is going into a recession. There you have it from Sarah Chamberlain, President and CEO of the Republican Main Street Partnership. Thank you for guiding us in the right direction, Sarah. We're, we're lucky to have you, and I appreciate your insights today. As Sarah refers, there's a very important story uh, that's on the terminal that you can find yourself here, but we're going to talk about it with Mark Zandi. Why a U.S. recession is still more likely than a soft landing. Remember, we have spoken with our analysts at BE, at Bloomberg Economics, including Anna Wong, who said a government shutdown, a strike in Detroit, both of which at the time looked inevitable, a $100 barrel oil and the resumption of student loan payments all come together to form a recession in this country just as we're flying into a presidential election cycle. Glad to say Mark is with us now, the chief economist at Moody's Analytics, Mark Zandi. Many thanks for joining. It's good to see you, Mark. Uh, we avoided a shutdown. How about we start with the positive here? Uh, but there's no sense of what happens after November 17th. We were told that this would have corrosive effects on the economy. How worried about this are you still? 
much less so, Joe. I, I, I think, you know, November, mid-November, I'd be pretty surprised at this point if the if lawmakers shut the government down. I mean, I think they realize that it's uh, not good economics, but more importantly, it's really bad politics. And this is right before Thanksgiving and the holidays. I, I just don't see it. I, I suspect at this point they're going to come together and kind of sign up, sign on a deal that's very close to what they agreed to uh, back when they passed legislation to end the debt limit the drama. So, you know, uh, you know, obviously things go in lots of different directions here, as we saw this weekend, but I, I'm feeling pretty good that we're going to avoid a shutdown at this point. Well, that's great to hear. Uh, I just listed off a bunch of other potential headwinds for our economy, though, and I wonder where your head is on the soft landing idea. Uh, you've been allowing for this possibility since long before the markets came around on this. Now folks are feeling a little more downbeat, and the resumption of student loan payments is a big part of that. Mark, something we haven't talked enough about. Yeah, I uh, Matt, you're, the, the producer sent me the piece. I hadn't seen it before, right before the this conversation took a look uh, overly pessimistic in my view I, you know yeah those are it's a scenario yeah sure i mean recession odds are high and for the reasons that the uh the analysis gave i mean you know obviously we've got the student loan payments kicking back in the uaw strike we've got higher interest rates higher oil prices but they all kind of small potatoes joe in the grand scheme of things i mean they add up to really something so q4 is going to be soft but q3 is gangbusters i mean I think GDP is probably going to come in at four or five percent. So, you know, okay. And the economy is creating a boatload of jobs. Businesses don't want to lay off. They desperately don't want to do that because, you know, they know on the other side of whatever this is, we're going to experience they're going to have problems with uh, holding on to labor. And consumers are hanging tough. I mean, uh, they're spending. And based on the GDP revisions, I won't go down into the details, but those revisions yeah. were very positive. They suggest that consumers have a lot more extra cash than we thought they did. So, yeah, I mean, you know, recession's a real uh, risk. Uh, you know, you look at history, if you live in a world of high inflation and a Fed on the warpath, you invariably end up in uh, in recession. So that's not a, you know, an unreasonable forecast, but it's an unlikely one. How about that? So, well, listen, your optimism uh, is... is uh, well, it's relative I, I optimism, Joe. I well-received in this case. You get some pretty bleak forecast. Uh, so I am. Of course I am. But a lot of folks yeah. think that a lot of folks have 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 counted out the consumer and you're not one of them, Mark. That's really what we're talking about here. I, I mean, why? I mean, the consumer is like rock solid. I mean, real consumer spending growth, the whole shoot match, you know, everything is two percent ish on the nose, which is like exactly what you want. Right. That's uh, enough to keep mm -hmm. the economy moving forward out without uh, out of recession, but not so strong that it generates inflationary pressures i mean it's like you know you couldn't i couldn't draw it on a piece of paper better than it's happening now and all the fundamentals look good you know jobs unemployment huh. real wages are rising a lot of excess saving debt service is low yeah i mean low-income households are under pressure no doubt about it but middle-income high-income mm -hmm. households their balance sheet's never been stronger stock prices are down housing values are flat but people are still a lot wealthier than they were when a lot wealthier than they were when the pandemic hit just a few years ago. So I'm, I'm hard pressed to, you know, why would the consumer pack it in unless something happened? Now things happen, right? There could be another shock, something we're not, sure. you know, uh, that, uh, you know, we're not forecasting at this point, but so it's, it's not, a, again, an unreasonable concern, but it's, you know, seems much more likely than not the consumer is going to hang in there. Is the fed done? I think so. Uh, I hope so. I mean, I don't think they need to raise rates any further. I mean, inflation sticking to script is coming right in 
you know, uh, as the as the shocks from the pandemic and Russian war fade, uh, and uh, the, they're increasing in the rearview mirror, there's inflation is moderating as as uh, as you would expect, and you know it's going to take another six, twelve, eighteen months to get it back to target. But you know, I think that the interest rates where they are today is sufficient to accomplish that. So, and then I, as I said, at Q4 growth is going to be soft for all the reasons that the piece you know that you mentioned uh, put forward. So it is going to be soft. So yeah. I think that'll be enough evidence. Less inf uh, inflation to, headed to target and a slow growing economy will be sufficient to forestall, you know, further rate hikes. I, I, I do think the Fed has set us up for, you know, uh, much slower rate cuts when they start cutting late next mm -hmm. year going into 2025. Uh, uh, but, uh, but and that's one reason why long term rates are up, you know, over the last couple, three weeks. But, uh, but so I don't think they'll be cutting quickly, but I think they, they're probably in the, the rate hikes are over. Yeah, the higher for longer uh, story gets uh, interesting here. You're banking on a cut by the end of the year, I presume. Uh, Mark, what does that mean for mortgage rates? Have they peaked? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we're set, what, 7.6, 7, 7.7 on a 30-year fixed. Uh, that would be, mm -hmm. you know, consistent, you know, obviously with a 4.5% 10-year yield and a 300 basis point, 3 percentage point spread, which is very wide by historical standards for understandable reasons. So if I, you know, if I'm right about the Fed in growth, I think 10-year treasury yields are probably close to a peak. And if they're at a peak, I think mortgage rates are at a peak. Again, I don't think rates are going to come in fast. So we're going to be, you know, higher rates for a long, a longer here, which means we will see uh, home sales were already dead in the water anyway. This run-up in rates isn't going to do any more damage there, but it could and probably will result in some house price declines here. So I've uh, been expecting that for quite some time. So do think we'll see, you know, some further weakness in housing. But hey, Joe, you know, the housing market, the single family housing market is the single most interest rate sensitive sector of the economy, bar none. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it has held up pretty well. Surprisingly, well, in fact, housing in, in aggregate, if you consider, you know, multifamily activity has actually been effectively flat because the multifamily market's been strong up to this point in time and offset the weakness in single family. So net net housing has been basically neutral with respect to the economy. When, if you're really going to go into recession, you'd expect housing to be, you know, sinking uh, housing in aggregate sinking, you know, into the, into the black hole. Right. Yeah. I never had to buy a house in the eighties, uh, but I'll wear the seventies for that matter. But I'll tell you what, that seven, six rate that you point out was the, the exact to the, to the letter, the exact, mortgage rate that we had the first time we bought a home ah. in our family and we thought it was a steal because we had heard about my you god go. when you were growing up they were 18 percent. i always feel hi i'm ron krashevsky chairman and ceo of steeple financial advisors if you're not growing your practice you're losing market share steeple is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. 
the people in the spotlight, athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Better when I talk to Mark Zandi. I hope everyone does. Uh, the chief economist at Moody's Analytics. Thank you, Mark, as always, for sharing insights. We've got a lot to talk about with our panel, not just the economy, but shutdown politics and what the heck happens after November 17th. Does Kevin McCarthy know? And will he still be speaker? All that's ahead with Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano on the fastest show in politics. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch the program live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg Radio, the TuneIn app, Bloomberg.com, and the Bloomberg Business app. You can also listen live on Amazon Alexa from our flagship New York station. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Now that we've established the government did not shut down over the weekend, we look to the fallout here. Not only what will happen after November 17th, that's how long this plan goes for, uh, but what happens to the Speaker of the House? Congressman Matt Gates made very clear on Sunday morning following the vote on this continuing resolution that he was going for it, the motion to vacate. I do intend to file a motion to vacate against Speaker McCarthy this week. I think we need to this rip week. off the Band-Aid. I think we need to move on with new leadership that can be trustworthy. That was on ABC next door on CBS. The speaker, Kevin McCarthy, says once again, bring it on. He's more interested in securing TV interviews than doing something. He wanted to push us into a shutdown, even threatening his own district with all the military people there who would not be paid only because he wants to take this motion. So be it. Bring it on. Let's get over with it and let's start governing. Speaking of TV interviews, we're going to be talking with Congressman Matt Gates. Later on today here on Bloomberg Radio and on Bloomberg TV when we get to Balance of Power, a special show we have lined up from the Hill. We'll be talking to a lot of the folks here who are making the decisions around this and brought us to this point following weeks of on-again, off-again negotiations. Fast forward to today, Matt Gates on the floor of the House talking about a secret deal to fund Ukraine. And he says when he learns more about that deal, he'll have a better sense of who might vote for this motion to vacate. Members of the Republican Party might vote differently on a motion to vacate if they heard what the Speaker had to share with us about his secret side deal with Joe Biden on Ukraine. I'll be listening. Stay tuned. Stay tuned indeed as we assembled our panel. Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis join Bloomberg Politics contributors off a wild weekend. Rick, I'll start with you on secret deals here. Whether you think that's true or not, Sarah Chamberlain from Main Street Partnership told us earlier she's heard nothing about this. And maybe I should fill in a couple of blanks. It's important here. This legislation that passed over the weekend includes money for disaster relief, $16 billion, but no aid for Ukraine. That's expected to come up 
at a later time here in the appropriations process. Rick, what's Matt Gates talking about? Yeah, look, I mean, it's kind of hard to tell what he thinks is secret. Um, uh, The president has requested funding for the Ukraine. The Senate has included it in the various versions of the stopgap bill that they were promoting. Uh, Everyone has spoken out on this. And so to think that there's somehow some hidden deal that's going to result in a vote in the House, you're going to get a vote in the House, Matt. (laughs) And it's going to require you to get on the record for being either for Putin or for Ukraine. And uh, hmm. I don't understand what he thinks might be secret. Uh, absolutely, there's going to be a vote on Ukraine aid. Uh, I would point out that Mike Quigley, the one Democrat that voted against the uh, yes. c- continuing resolution, did so because there was no funding for the Ukraine in that bill. So the, everyone there expects it to happen. Uh, I don't understand what, what Matt Gates thinks is not going to happen. Well, and there's going to be apparently a vote on a motion to vacate as well here, Jeannie, probably a lot sooner than anyone gets to vote on Ukraine. The question remains, will Democrats take part in this exercise to either uh, protect Speaker McCarthy or help to oust him? Which do you think it'll be? Yeah, I mean, we think there's going to be a motion to vacate. Gates was saying all weekend there would be an immediate motion to vacate. Then he goes on the floor today and no motion to vacate. So we're all sort of in Mm. waiting mode for this historic motion to vacate if and when it ever happens. And you're right. It's going to be in the Democrats' hands um, what they decide to do. And it is unclear at this point what they will decide. We heard People like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez this weekend saying she would like to vote against Kevin McCarthy. We've heard from moderate Democrats that they are more inclined to, you know, sort of stop and and help end the chaos by keeping him there. But it's really going to come down to what Hakeem Jeffries and the leadership decide. And one interesting thing is Nancy Pelosi has said she would not vote to save McCarthy, but she will follow the leadership. So you know, but her advice to Jeffrey seems to be don't save them. And Democrats are not happy with Kevin McCarthy, not only the vote to impeach or the impeachment inquiry that he started, but going back to Donald Trump after January 6th, breaking his deal with Joe Biden. And then even on Saturday, jamming that bill through without giving them time to read through it. All of those things make them feel they can't trust him and they may not want to work with him unless he's willing to strike a deal and make some concessions. But of course, that's going to cost him support amongst Republicans. So it's really unclear at this point how he survives, except he's going to have to depend on Democrats to do that. Well, and that's the point that uh, Matt Gates was making yesterday. I find this really interesting in his Sunday show in- interviews, Rick. It was less about firing Kevin McCarthy and more about exposing him as one sympathetic to Democrats. Listen to how he put this. I actually think Democrats are going to bail out Kevin McCarthy. So this is an exercise to show the American people who really governs you and how that governing occurs. So I'm on a mission to change it where we're evaluating these bills independently. Kevin McCarthy is off making a secret deal on Ukraine as he's baiting Republicans to vote for a continuing resolution that doesn't include Ukraine. All right. So, Rick, that was on ABC. He doesn't actually expect to fire Kevin McCarthy. That means Republican votes are not there or or Democrats are. Which is it? Well, his trading range for Republicans who are willing to uh, kick out Kevin McCarthy is probably 20 to 30 votes. Right. So it's not a lot Mm -hmm. of people that he needs to run around and talk to to see whether or not they're willing to exercise a uh, 
a motion to vac vacate. So uh, he's doing that right now. That's the reason he hasn't announced it yet is he's talking to those 20 or 30 members saying, are you with me? Are you ready to storm the blockade? And, uh, and my guess is he's getting a lot of no's because in the sort of cooler heads of the moment, uh, I think most of these guys who have been giving Kevin a hard time realize he's probably sitting at 200 votes for a speaker no matter what happens, so motion to vacate. Yeah. So it's highly unlikely that there anything's going to result other than upsetting Kevin McCarthy. And regardless of whether he uses Democratic votes or not, he'll still be speaker. He'll decide what committees mm -hmm. you're on. Uh, he's going to decide what legislation you get to pass. So, uh, you know, this, this is a gut check for those guys. Uh, I would remind everybody that they did not give Kevin McCarthy any choice. They said no three times in a row in the week before leading up to the, the deadline for uh, for funding to every option they claim to be for. And so the same group that was tying him up in knots are now saying that he can't do business with the Democrats which means that we don't want to do any business in the House of Representatives. I think the long ball here is Kevin McCarthy banking on getting stuff done. Uh, whether he gets it with Democrats or not is going to be, as Jeannie said, up to leadership. Uh, but they've now shown a big propensity to uh, willingness to uh, to support him on this on this budget bill. And by the way, we've got another funding crisis coming up, you know, in the middle of November. And those conversations yeah. are being had now. But when I look at this vote, 335 to 91, I'd say that's a governing majority in anybody's business. Does it also mean that we won't shut down on November 17th, Jeannie? I don't know if you should bank on that. You might want to have your Thanksgiving dinner figured out in case we do, Joe Matthew. Um, you know, I, I hope we do not. I hope that the next several weeks they are able to reach deals. But it was unclear. We heard Kevin McCarthy talking about tying border security to funding for Ukraine. It was unclear how that was going to work and what kind of support he could get on something like that. We do know support for Ukraine as much as there is, or Ukraine funding, not support for Ukraine, as much support as there is, it has gone down. And you even hear the Senate saying you're going to have to do a one big bill. You can't break it up. So it's unclear how he moves this forward. And the 90 he lost in his own caucus on Saturday is telling. So he is going to have to rely on Democrats for a lot of this to move forward. But if the best thing he's got going for Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. 
And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. For him to Sarah's earlier point, nobody else is in the offing for this job. Nobody wants it. Nobody's near 218 votes. And so who else would there be but Kevin McCarthy? All right, we've got a lot more to talk about with Jeannie and Rick as Gavin Newsom uh, makes the appointment, the big announcement on who will replace Senator, the late Senator Dianne Feinstein, just one of many other breaking stories that we're looking at here. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch us live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg.com, the iHeartRadio app, and the Bloomberg Business app, or listen on demand wherever you get your podcasts. This was Gavin Newsom, of course, the Democratic governor of California, on the 16th of March, 2021, asked about appointing a woman potentially for Senate here. Of course, not knowing that we'd be talking about now the late Senator Dianne Feinstein. But should this opportunity arise, he was on MSNBC. Here's how it went. Will you nominate an African-American woman um, to restore the seat that Kamala Harris is no longer in the United States Senate? And do you have a name in mind? I have multiple names in mind. We have multiple names in mind. And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Remembering, of course, that Kamala Harris uh, had just left California to become vice president. Fast forward to today and you have your answer. Indeed, it was yes. Gavin Newsom tweets, I'm proud to announce California's new United States Senator, LaFonza Butler, who he writes has spent her entire career fighting for women and girls and has been a fierce advocate for working people. As you'll read on the terminal, this is the head of Emily's list. LaFonza Butler, longtime labor leader as well, ran the SEIU. As we recall some of her stylings on the podium, this was just last year, 2022. LaFonza Butler. That right now, we know that right now is our time. And right now, it is our turn. It's our turn to build power like we've never built power before, connecting the abortion rights movement with the labor movement, with the climate movement, with the Black Lives Matters movement, with the Native American protection movement. She will be the only black woman in the current U.S. Senate. Let's reassemble the panel for their take. Jeannie Shanzano, was it the right call for Gavin Newsom? I think it was. Um, You know, he put himself in a bit of a bind in 2021 when he made that promise. He was under pressure because of his replacement of Kamala Harris. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he was facing three really beloved members of the House who are now in the race. He didn't want to tip those scales. And so to go with Butler was a smart choice to do it quickly, to give the Democrats in the Senate a governing majority, a smart choice. And also, I think importantly, generationally, you know, Barbara Lee, certainly not happy today, was pushing for this appointment, didn't get it. 
But like so many Americans, people in California want a new generation of leader. And Butler does that. You know, she's in her 50s. She's energetic. She's young. She has a strong liberal record for all those things you just talked about. So it was a good move and it allowed Newsom to keep his promise. I think it's really important that Butler did not get talked into making a deal. She'll be a caretaker. So she could run if she decides to. I think the cutoff would be December 8th. So we'll have to watch and see if she's the fourth person in this race going in then as an incumbent senator, which does give her some advantage. Yeah, a couple of interesting things here, Rick. Uh, she did not pledge to be a caretaker. She may well run for this seat. We'll find out about that. But she lives in the greater Washington area, I believe Silver Spring, Maryland. Is that a problem? No, I, I think they call that a carpetbagger. I mean, <laughs> she's only a carpetbagger if she runs for office. Right now, she's just a Good appointment, no guarantee that she'll run. Uh, Newsom wasn't guaranteeing that she wouldn't. And uh, I think it's kind of an interesting pick in that regard uh, because there's obviously a big cast of characters on the Democratic side who want that nomination. You know, Adam Schiff, Barbara Lee, Katie Porter, they've all been raising a lot of money uh, and they're ready to roll. And to introduce somebody new to the equation, I think uh, really destabilizes it. So I wouldn't be surprised if she does become a caretaker uh, kind of makes sense to bring someone from out of state who doesn't have a political lineage in California. Hmm. What do you make of this, uh, Jeannie? And and what does Adam Schiff do when there's a call to have a woman of color in this seat? So many people were looking at him uh, for a glide path to victory. How about now? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think Schiff definitely will stay in the race as we look at the polls now. You know, we do see that Schiff and Porter are in the lead. Again, it's still early. Barbara Lee is behind. She's also behind when it comes to fundraising, we understand. So Porter and Schiff really have the advantage from that perspective. But to your point, there is a lot of there are a lot of people in California who would like to see an African-American woman in that seat. And that does bode better for somebody like Lee or Butler if she does decide to enter this race. And, you know, those are concerns that Schiff has to keep in mind. That said, he's a very popular member of the uh, House delegation from California. And I think given his polling and fundraising, he stays in this race. It's an open primary in California. That's another interesting twist on this that's going to make it a race to watch. So something to really see out there. And of course, whoever wins can, if they uh, serve the people well, be there 30, 40 years, depending on their age and if they're able to, you know, really serve the constituents well and get reelected. That's what we've seen in California in the past. So a very, very powerful seat. Is this shaping up to be the most expensive Senate race of the cycle, Rick? Yeah, it certainly could be. I mean, there are some other hot states uh, that uh, could generate a lot of uh, expense, but California, definitely, with the crazy primary they've got. The general election will be a walkthrough for whoever the Democratic nomination is uh, because it's right. become a one-party state. But that does raise the ante when it comes to winning that primary. So, yeah, I, I would anticipate this being a hugely expensive state, especially as more and more people get into this primary, including potentially Butler, I guess. Mm -hmm. It seems to me it's the story in, in, in the end, Jeannie, that you can't deny is Gavin Newsom rising. We only have a minute left. He's going to be one of the president's chief surrogates. If he's not drafted into a presidential election cycle, he's the man to debate Ron DeSantis. Apparently now this he's 
spending every day on the front page lately. He really is. And, you know, we uh, poo-pooing I was at least these Republican debates. I'm really anxious to see the debate you just mentioned between DeSantis and Newsom. They're You're a here. new generation of potential leaders um, from both sides of the aisle. Yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to that, Rick. How about you? This is one that we might actually want to sit down and watch a little more closely. Uh, it's got to be better than these two previous Republican debates that have been real <laughs> snoozers. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that, too. With Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano, I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. We've got a lot more to follow today. The government is still open. This is Bloomberg. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch the program live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg Radio, the TuneIn app, Bloomberg.com, and the Bloomberg Business app. You can also listen live on Amazon Alexa from our flagship New York station. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Look who I found. Kaylee Lines is with us. And I've just got to stop down because we are real people here sometimes in the throes of this whole wonky thing about the government shutting down and what, what might yeah. come next. Charlie Pellet just said it. Did you see the images from the Sphere last weekend? Yeah. In pretty, Las Vegas? Pretty cool. Oh, my God. <laughs> we thought the outside of this thing was cool. Producer James saw it and was blown away like me. This is like, so you 2 is in residence mm -hmm. there, residency there. And I guess that's why we haven't had a chance. This is like the first concert there. So yeah. um, can we do a remote, live remote Ooh, Sphere? Oh, great idea. Put the show Pitch right on the stage in the there. managers. Yeah, I've got to see this sometime. <laughs> All right, so Vegas bound. When's the Nevada caucus again? Find out, James. <laughs> um, well, we've got a few things to talk about here. We, we thought we'd be doing a shutdown show today. Mm -hmm. We figured we'd be two days into a shutdown. The government is still open. Yep. No one's still exactly sure how that all happens so fast. To the point where the president, with I believe 32 minutes left, managed to put pen to paper and sign this thing into law. A buzzer beater, I believe, That's is, well is what they That's call well this, put. Joe. Yes. And yeah, we're not shut down. We will stay that way until November 17th, mm -hmm. which is maybe when we do this entire song and dance over again. My right. questions are, between now and the 17th of November, will we see actually something bipartisan coming together in terms of those 12 appropriation bills? They're mm -hmm. still going to need to be reconciled between the House and the Senate. Mm -hmm. And also by that time, will uh, Kevin McCarthy still be Speaker of the House? All huge questions. Did we simply prolong the shutdown? Mm -hmm. And will Kevin McCarthy have the gavel to find out? Both of those remain unanswered. Matt Gates did speak from the floor earlier today, yep. but no motion. As I said earlier, here's how he put this. It says it's about a secret deal, a secret mm -hmm. Ukraine deal. They want to find out about that before they vote. He has questions. So I got that about right. <laughs> Here he is. Members of the Republican Party might vote differently on a motion to vacate if they heard what the speaker had to share with us about his secret side deal with Joe Biden on Ukraine. I'll be listening. Stay tuned. I still don't get what the secret side deal is, though, because they didn't get money for Ukraine. Right. I think what he's alleging is that there was some agreement that if they passed a continuing resolution... They'll come back around with a Ukraine vote. Right. Which has not yet happened. The and the, and the administration will... still wants it. Absolutely, yes. And there is, I think, majority support for it, mm. which is interesting here. Uh, no such deal, according to Sarah Chamberlain. We spoke with about an hour ago, Republican Main Street Partnership. She's the president. Mm -hmm. She was the only one who predicted this. Here she is on the 26th of September with us on Balance of Power. Sarah Chamberlain 
on whether the government would shut down or not. I do not think we're going to have a government shutdown. You, you do don't. not think we're going to no. have a government shutdown? I think what the Senate put out today is going to be helpful. I think the Republicans would negotiate to try to get as close to that as possible. And I think the last possible minute, we are going to, uh, we're going to say Unless- that. It's exactly how it went. Called it. It's exactly how it went. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if Mick saw that coming. We've been talking to Mick Mulvaney about this thing because we knew it was weeks in the making. Yep. Uh, slow motion train wreck is what it felt like. Mick Mulvaney, what do you think now about this last minute turn here? Now you're just being mean to me, Joe. You know I didn't see that one coming. I was with everybody else. <laughs> and it was going to shut down over the weekend. So. Um, well, yeah, but I mean, what? So you woke up Saturday though, and then something was in the water. What changed? I don't know. I got the impression because I was there all last week that this really was last minute, that something happened at the last minute that changed Kevin's mind and decided this was a a better way to go forward. I don't think it was the Senate passing a deal. Um, I thought he would really go into shutdown for a couple of days. Keep in mind, a shutdown of less than 14 days is really politically it hurts, but there's no real application in the real world because everybody gets paid, right? People say, well, you're, mm-hmm. you don't get paid to go to work. You know, did you guys get paid today? Probably not. You're working today. Doesn't mean you're not, you're working for no pay. You're not going to get paid to your next pay period. <laughs> so I thought there'd be a, sh- a short period of shutdown. I was wrong. Um, be curious to see if this was just delaying the inevitable or if there's some larger deals cooking. I'm headed back to DC right now to see if I can find out. Hmm. Well, we look forward to hearing what you find out. But we had been talking about this, Mick, as kind of a binary choice for Speaker McCarthy. Either he allows the government to shut down or he doesn't. He acts to avert it and then risks his job. And aren't we seeing the latter play out now as a result of his actions this weekend? Um, You know, I'm starting to come around to the idea that maybe Matt Gates is crazy um, and that (laughs) this is really about his this. The fact you're talking about him. He was on all the news shows over the weekend. He's been all TV today. Mm-hmm. You know, he says he's going to file a motion, and he goes to the to the well today to speak, and everybody covers it. Um, it, it might just be a big PR stunt, and I maybe it is that the outcome of the shutdown and the CR have nothing to do with whether or not Matt Gates is going to file his motion. He might do it one way or the other regardless. So um, the real question is, is it successful? There's always folks seeking PR in Washington, D.C. The question is, are they, you know, are they successful in accomplishing what they want to accomplish? I keep coming back to what you and I have talked about before, which is who else in their right mind wants the job? Who else could get the job? Um, mm-hmm. There's a short list of people. I think Matt Gates mentioned Tom Cole, who I'd like, but face it, he's not a fiscal conservative, and Tom Emmer, who would never take the job. I mean, who, who in their right mind would want to take the speakership under these circumstances when they could be the next ones having to deal with Matt Gates on the Sunday talk show. So I think you, mm-hmm. you saw that in Kevin's attitude last week about just bring the motion, you know, get the games over. I don't think that was him yeah. showing frustration. I think that was him doing the math and realizing that um, he's pretty secure because nobody else can win. And even if they could, they wouldn't want it. Well, Matt Gates said yesterday morning in, in one of his several <laughs> Sunday morning interviews uh, that it wasn't necessarily about firing Kevin McCarthy, that, that he, he didn't necessarily have the votes because Democrats would come to his defense. Just to get into this more specifically, Mick, does he have the Republican votes? First question. Two, separately, would Democrats otherwise come to his defense? I was reading some comments this morning in the press, and there were lines like, um, I wouldn't follow Matt Gates into a steakhouse. Um, and this is all about just Matt Gates getting clicks and, and running for governor. And those were comments from Democrats. 
So um, if that's the case, uh, look, the, the, the support for Kevin has always been strong within his party. The, the Never Kevin group was, you know, between 5 and 15, depending upon what vote you were looking at and so forth. So Kevin's support within the Republicans is critical, and Matt, I guess, is assuming that every Democrat would vote against him. I, I sure he's thought through the process. Keep in mind, he said over the weekend he would file the motion this week. That's an important word yes, choice because right. politicians love to tell you know the partial truth, the partial truth, and nothing but the partial truth. And you can file this motion any time and not call it up. So in theory, Matt could, could file it today and not ask that it be heard. Um, and that would satisfy his promise to file it this week. Uh, there's all sorts of wrinkles here. I think the bottom line is that he doesn't have the votes to get McCarthy kicked out of office, and he knows it. Well, it's going to come down to the issue of the Democrats, obviously. And I saw a tweet from, of all people, Marjorie Taylor Greene earlier. She posted a long thread, or I guess it technically was an ex-post. That's what we call them now, Mick. And she was talking about how she thinks a motion to vacate is a mistake, in part because it gives leverage to the Democrats. I'm paraphrasing her words here. But what do you think about that? Would a motion to vacate just give all the power to Hawking Jeffries? Well, it would, I guess, because keep in mind what would happen. Let's walk through it. I know this is inside baseball, but that's what the show's about, right? You file the yes. motion. You bring up the motion. There's immediately a motion to table. That's not the substance of the motion. So you're not voting right then to vacate the chair. You're voting to delay indefinitely the vote to vacate the chair. That's a procedural motion. And every single Democrat could vote to either table the motion or simply abstain. Okay? Under both of those circumstances, the motion would fail, um, and Kevin would still be the speaker, and the Democrats could look themselves in the eye and say they never voted for Kevin McCarthy for speaker. So there's, you have to sort of walk through the process, and I think that's what Matt is finally realizing, mm-hmm. is that this has been great to sort of get a lot of attention, but if you want to kick the speaker out, it can be really, really hard to do. And don't discount the fact that it's easy for the Democrats to say, look, I don't like Kevin McCarthy, but I don't think I want to play to Matt Gates's hand and bring Congress grinding to a halt when we've got a 45-day CR looming over our heads. Why don't we deal with funding the government? And maybe later we can talk about the speakership. But right now, the most important thing is funding the government going forward. Well, he says he's going to keep bringing them up. If it fails, Mick, he's going to do it again and again and again, maybe 15 times like we saw uh, in the rounds of voting for Kevin McCarthy to become speaker. Does that create fatigue each time he, he files this motion potentially? Uh, or, or does it work to paralyze business in the House while we're trying to figure out how to avoid a shutdown? Yeah, there's another possibility, which is it puts him at great risk. Remember, in the background of all of this is this ethics investigation that was started under the Democrat leadership. And I will be the first to tell you that ethics investigations are extremely politicized. There's an extremely low bar. It's easy to sort of uh, to uh, to weaponize ethics investigations. But there is an ethics mm. investigation going on right now against Matt Gates, now led by the Republicans. If that committee was to come back and find Matt in some type of violation of the ethics rules, that could lead to a motion to kick him out of Congress. It doesn't seem like he's making very many friends. If those if there are Democrats who are saying that this is nothing more than a PR stunt and that they are, they don't want to do anything to help Matt Gates, you can't imagine that the um, that the Republicans are interested in keeping him around much either. So this could actually backfire on him um, if the ethics investigation goes badly. Oh, that could get ugly quick. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> anticipating more drama as if things weren't already dramatic enough. Wow. Mick, just as we reflect on on this saga between Matt Gates and Speaker McCarthy that may or may not end this week, because even if he's dealt a blow, he says he'll continue to bring this up, how, how close we got to the edge in terms of the government shutting down. 
is this house in order? Is this just literally what you and me and Joe are going to be talking about each and every week? A house of representatives that is barely functioning. I mean, do you see this changing? Well, it was always going to be tight anyway, Kayla, right? Because the margins are so tight. Keep in mind that right. the Democrats only ever, when, when Nancy Pelosi was in charge, she had a very small margin. And she was only ever able to pass things that had unanimous support because of it. Kevin is in the same boat. He's only ever going to be able to manage to, to pass anything that has unified Republican support because any handful of his members could, could, uh, could shipwreck a piece of legislation. So my guess is the same as it was in the previous Congress. The stuff that has to get passed is going to get passed. That means the NDAA is going to get passed. The FAA reauthorization is going to get passed, and the government's going to get funded in one shape or another. I don't think this is going to be a time we're talking about far-reaching legislation. We're talking about proactive types of things. This is going to be sort of waiting to the next election to see um, to see what the voters, uh, who the voters send to Washington. Hmm. Well, so what's your crystal ball say, Mick Mulvaney? November seventeenth is the government close or open? Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm gun shy now because I got this one wrong. I guess I take some. I don't blame you. I wouldn't answer any of my questions either. Yeah. <laughs> I, I still think I still think that it helps Kevin a little bit with the extreme right wing of his party, the Freedom Caucus people, people like me. OK, if he shut if the government goes into shutdown for a brief period of time, we don't like mm-hmm. to hear things like. If we don't do this, people aren't going to get paid. That's not factually accurate. If you close until the, for more than 14 days, people don't get paid. But when you start using Democrat talking points to make your argument, that, that can rub the, the right wing of the party the wrong way. So hmm. I think you know Kevin lost more votes than he wanted to. He lost 90 votes in the CR. Keep in mind it was an easy no vote for a lot of people because they knew it was going to pass. So uh, I think Kevin's got a little bit of work to do with his right wing of his party, but I think he's got 45 days hmm. to do it. I'm still putting the chances of shutdown above 75% in mid-November. Wow. There wow. Go. And then we're going to roll into Thanksgiving, and it'll be weeks, right, if that happens. Yeah, Merry Christmas to all and to all a good <laughs> night. Mick, it, I just had to smile to myself a little bit when you talked about Freedom <laughs> Caucus people being like you. Do you really think they're still like you? I heard a lot of talk on Capitol Hill about these conservatives not voting for conservative policies. Huh. Oh no! Yeah, keep on. I think there's a new fact. There's a new faction now that the anarchist wing is different than the Freedom Caucus. In fact, I don't even think Matt Gates is in the Freedom mm. Caucus. Of course, they don't publish the list. But you know, I saw That's Ken right. Buck the other day. Ken's a member of the Freedom Caucus. At least he was when I was there. He's a very reasonable guy. What did he say? Yeah. He said, "Look, we, we need to pass these appropriation bills. At least vote on them. And if we can vote on all twelve appropriation bills, then I'll vote on a CR. That's a reasonable conservative position to take, and it's something that leadership can work with." Again, the Freedom Caucus was designed to be the conservatives that would play play hardball but could work with uh, each other, everybody at the end of the day. That group is still there, and that's the group I think that Kevin will be able to build some, um, build some, uh, some capital with over the next couple of weeks. Unreal. At least we know we're still alive here. It reminds us that we're alive, Mick. How about the sphere in Las Vegas? Are you going? Did you see what that looked like over the weekend? You know, I, I don't want you guys to talk it up too much because I'm trying to get tickets in November, and if it sells out, I'm not going to be able to do that. So I don't think anybody should. All right. We'll, we'll, <laughs> no, we'll meet you there. How about that? Mick Mulvaney, we won't tell anyone. Uh, boy, it's only Monday, Kaylee. I don't even know what to say here. I know. Chaos? Is that what you said? <laughs> Chaos reigns. I'm Joe Matthew with Kaylee Lyons in Washington. This is Bloomberg. Thanks for listening to the Sound On Podcast. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already at Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And you can find us live every weekday from Washington, D.C. at 1 p.m. Eastern Time at Bloomberg.com. 
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.